Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanvi. I'm Erin. And this is our 7th Heaven Podcast. On today's episode of Camden Cast, we will be discussing Season 7, Episode 16 of 7th Heaven, the title of which is the is Stand Up, but if you are in Germany, the title is The Comeback. The IMDb user synopsis is, Lucy fears her father's return to the church will upstage her wedding celebration. Roxanne introduces Chandler to her father. With Simon and Sophia- Cecilia working together, one day he notices the business manager stealing money from the company. Dun dun dun. This person has a very interesting style, but it's also quite like the writer of these summaries. Yeah. I they mean, like they're right to the point. Yeah, but it's also like not accurate ever. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty. <laughs> a- all right. Well, what was your first impression <laughs> yeah. of this episode? Um. So it's been a long time since I have liked Lucy, but this is an episode where I was feeling for her and I was sympathetic for her and I was rooting for her, which never happened or which hasn't happened since I feel like season five, maybe. Yeah, that was when Mary was going crazy and they Mm -hmm. made Lucy a really sympathetic character. And then once Mary was gone, she went back to being the worst. So, yeah, so that was surprising for me. I was initially very upset about feeling sympathy towards Lucy, but then I just welcomed it because sometimes you just have to let the tide fall over you. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, we'll start with the cold open uh, where wedding planning is all the rage. rage. Yeah. Um, So Annie has decided to make the wedding all about her. Well, about the Rev's return. Um, So everybody assumes that because Lucy's getting married, the Rev is going to, you know, officiate the wedding. And so Annie's big thing is, like, we need to make the wedding good enough for your dad to come back. And Lucy wants a small wedding, but Annie wants a big wedding. Um, And we can tell that Lucy's not too happy about all of Annie's decisions. Um, Then we are introduced to Carson, the rescue dog. Uh, I'd like to remind everyone that Ben is in um, Glen Oak because he is training a rescue dog um, to bring back to Buffalo. Uh, so anyway, we we meet Carson, the rescue dog, um, because Ruthie, Peter, well, no, no, no. Ben is going to go to the promenade with the dog, and Peter is like, oh, to... to I don't know, what troll is, for ladies. To troll for like ladies or babes or something yeah, yeah, awful. Babes, babes, yeah. Um, and Peter and Ruthie are like, well, we want to go to the promenade too. So Ben gets roped into taking uh, the kid, the kiddos, and the dog to the promenade. Um, so that is, yeah. Some then, notes just on that scene, very quickly. Uh, we get what seems to be a throwaway line by Peter being like, I've always wanted a dog. But my mom doesn't want me to have one. Obviously, I should have known that this comes back later. And also, Happy and Carson do not get along. Yeah. Um, so Roxy and Chandler are at tea. Um, or it could be brunch, I guess. But they are at some sort of... They're enjoying something out of mugs. Yeah. and Could uh, be coffee. Could be coffee. Um, and Roxy's just warning Chandler that he's about to meet her dad, and her dad has successfully scared off every single one of her past boyfriends. Because her father really wants her to marry a cop. We learn later on, I guess, why, but... No, we don't. We never learn why. I think it's because he's a cop. Well, yeah. Or he was a cop, But we knew that. He's a cop. He's a detective He's a detective. 
Um, and the final kind of storyline uh, that gets put in in the cold open is Cecilia and Simon singing and cleaning. Um, you know, remember they both are are janitors uh, for their job, and they run into Uncle Walter. Who is not actually Cecilia's uncle, but he's just like a family friend. He's so. the godfather, so I yes. think that's why. Um, uncle Walter is played by Jack Keller. Kohler. Um, he has a lot of bit parts and a lot of things, but he his like most renowned show was NYPD Blue. Um, but yeah, that's a cold open. Introduces us to all the storylines. So we'll get to, I guess... Ruthie, yeah. yeah. Um, so... Anyway, like we said, in the cold open, they set us up so that Ben, Peter, and Ruthie are going to the promenade with the dog, Carson. Um, uh, Pretty much as soon as we see them at the promenade, Ben has met a woman. Her name is Veronica, and she is a massage therapist. She's played by Sarah Lancaster, who had a stint on Chuck, but more notably was on Everwood right after she was on this. I think she got cast on Everwood through getting cast as Veronica on this. Because I think Everwood starts, like, this year, 2003. Um, And also she was on Scrubs for a bunch of years. So, yeah. So anyway, um, Ben learns that Veronica is a massage therapist, and obviously they want to spend some time alone together. So um, Ruthie and Peter decide they want some ice cream, and they ask if they can take the dog with them. And Ben happily surrenders uh, custody of Carson over to Peter and Ruthie because he is now busy um, trying to charm (laughs) Veronica. So um, next scene we get is Ben being massaged in the middle of the promenade by Veronica. And surprise, um, Ruthie and Peter come back looking particularly sad and dejected and without a dog. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Ben, for some reason, doesn't notice that the dog is missing and takes a while to get around to it. But he's like, what's wrong? Where's your ice cream? And they're like, we lost the dog. He slipped out of his collar. Um, There was like a point before earlier in the episode where the reason that Veronica saw the dog in the first place was because Ben was like adjusting the collar because it was loose. So that's why he got lost. Um, Later on in the episode, we still can't find the dog. Apparently, everybody's been running around the promenade. Veronica is long gone. Um, and they, like, come up with some plan to go to the shelter to try to see if somebody maybe took the dog, took Carson to the shelter. But instead of finding Carson, they find a replacement Carson. Yeah, so Carson is a golden retriever. They just find a different golden retriever, which is extraordinarily rare at a shelter to find a golden retriever. But anyway, they lucked out, um, so they put the, the little rescue dog vest on this new dog and they're like okay it's gonna work um uh, it obviously doesn't work <laughs> so ben has to go back to the firehouse with the dog for some reason and or his does, does he get called into no work? he he's about to go in but the chief shows up yeah um so his firehouse chief comes over and he's like oh uh, i'm looking for you everywhere uh this is carson right uh, let's uh, see some tricks and obviously, fake Carson can't do Carson tricks, but I, but the chief knew that because Carson has been in the firehouse all along. Yes, somebody found that somebody returned him to the shelter earlier in the day, and the people at the shelter realized that it was Carson and b- returned him to the firehouse. I also just have one note here that if Carson really were that well trained, he wouldn't have run away from Ruthie and Peter. Like, I don't think a rescue dog should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. 
Anyway. Um, this ends with Carson and... No, not Carson. Fake it's Carson. Fake Carson. Um, and Ruthie and Ben on a walk in the promenade, and they run into Peter and Paris on a little mother-son pizza date. And this is where we have Peter and his wanting of a dog coming into play again because... He's gonna take. He's gonna take fake Carson after very little needed persuasion. Well, Ben is gonna. Ben was like vouching for him, and he was like, "Oh, I can help train the dog, and a well-trained dog is easier to have than an untrained dog." So, Ben is is offering up his services to train the dog for Peter. Um, so. Now Peter gets a dog. Yay! And Ben gets to spend some more time with Paris because apparently in the dark, Ben looks. Older. Older. <laughs> Remember, he was rejected for being younger, but now, in the dark. But Paris is thirsty. Um, if my note for, for this specific scene was pizza with the peas and pawning off the dog. <laughs> so, that's... The peas. The peas. Paris and Peter. Um, <laughs> Paris and Peter Petrowski. <laughs> yeah, the peas. Um, all right, so... Uh, that's it. Unfortunately, this wasn't really a Ruthie-centric storyline. They kind of... It was mostly about Peter and Ben, Ben, yeah. yeah. Even more so about Ben. Um, but yeah. Uh, another... So now we'll go on to Simon, who has a slightly more serious storyline. Uh, as we said, Simon gets introduced to Uncle Walter, um, and we pick that up again when they're, like, picking up their paychecks, uh... Uncle Walter is being very creepy behind the desk, gives them some money to for their, like, date night, and everything's all, like, honky-dory until Simon comes in later, and he sees that Uncle Walter is taking money from Petty Cash and putting it in his own wallet. So, um, Simon is having this dilemma. He goes to talk to Kevin about it, and just to see, like, what he should do, I guess, because Kevin's a cop. And Kevin basically says, well, you need to tell Cecilia's father. So Simon goes over to Cecilia's house and asks to speak to George alone. And as soon as they sit down to talk about this, uh, Simon's like, okay, something happened at work today. Walter walks in and um, he's like, oh, is something going on here? And um, George is like, oh, well, uh, Simon was just about to tell me about something that happened at work. Maybe you should come and sit down. And listen, and Simon's just like, no, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you giving me this job and how much I enjoy working for you. And on his way out, Walter is like, oh, Simon, you forgot your check. And Simon is like, no, I got my check. And he's like, no, this is for your overtime, where all the overtime shifts you took, this is your overtime check. So Simon gets home, and of course that uh, envelope that Walter gave him is filled with cash that was stolen, and it's essentially a bribe to keep Simon quiet about the fact that he caught Walter stealing. So Simon calls Uncle Walter um, <laughs> and basically confronts him. And for somebody who's been stealing from George and Cecilia for years, because he's apparently been the like person in charge of the cleaning business for twenty years or so, uh, he. He's really he's not a. Very, cr- he's a very good thief, but apparently a very bad thief. Yeah, because he's not like a criminal mastermind. I feel like I would immediately like if I was him, and somebody found out I was stealing, like I would obviously bribe first, but then I would threaten. But instead, he's like he's very meek, and he's like, "Please don't tell him. You don't know what my life is." <sighs> um, and Simon's like, "No, if you don't tell him yourself, I'm gonna tell him." And that's, I guess, when George, not George, Walter comes up with the idea of blaming it all on Simon. So we have your typical kind of, like, 
mixed signals yeah. confrontation between George and Simon, where George comes over to the cam casa and is like, hey, Walter told me about what happened at work. And they have this back and forth exchange where they keep alluding to money was still, you know, Simon gives the envelope back full of with money. And George is like, well, I don't know if I'm going to press charges. I'm sure the cops will consider that you did return the money you stole. And Simon's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This was all Walt. Um, Walt. <laughs> um, and basically Simon's fired. Uh, Simon kind of goes from, like, zero to 60 because he goes from, yeah, I know, stealing's bad. You can't ex- – I didn't do it! <laughs> like, I don't know. We were talking earlier about – that like, earlier now, but earlier in our episodes about how um, – David Gallagher chooses to act sometimes. Yeah, I feel like he is one of the stronger actors on the show, but when he needs to show anything that isn't, like – normal yeah when he needs to get excited sometimes it's a bit over the top or it's just like falls flat yeah and this one was really over the top i like i think it also doesn't help that his new haircut it's very emo and it all the hair is in his eyes so it feels like he shouldn't be easily excited he has to match ashley simpson (laughs) so um basically george is like you know stay away from my daughter stay away from me uh but cecilia can't be swayed she loves her man, and uh, after a conversation with Simon on the phone where she's like, I know that you didn't do it, she kind of, like, tries to... She basically like, look, I know that you think Uncle Walter is great and everything, but I know Simon wouldn't do this. Just check it out yourself, Dad. Just see for yourself if maybe Simon's telling the truth. And apparently this is all that George needs because then he finds out that the books have been cooked. <laughs> There's been some cooking of the booking. Um... And he confronts, well, with Cece and Sai-Sai, confronts Uncle Walter. Uh, So Uncle Walter is not a very good thief, and he kind of crumbles under the pressure. Well, he doesn't admit to anything, does he? Well, no, he doesn't. He's like, "You you can't do this, but, like, doesn't follow it up with... I'll kill you, <laughs> or anything. He, yeah, he just gets fired. Like, George is just like, get out of my house. You no longer work for me. Um, the poli- like He's like, you can tell this story to the police or whatever. So we assume that George is going to be pressing charges against Walter because this has been going on for 20 years. I would just like to say that this would have, I mean, I'm sure Seventh Heaven won't do anything about this, but this would be a great storyline to return to with Walter get, trying to get, exact his revenge. I, I watch that. It, like... I don't know. He seemed when he left, it seemed like he's like, "This isn't the last you've heard of me," but I don't think that's gonna happen. I think no. this is very much over. No, Walter's gone. Um, so we'll go to Roxy and Chandler, I guess, because we have to. Uh, yeah. So it's the stupid TV trope of, oh, you know, Roxanne's father is gonna kill Chandler because. He's not a cop, and Roxanne's father really wants her to marry a cop because he's a cop and she's a cop, and it's just a long line of, uh, like, I think she says something about he wants someone who could protect her, things like that. Um, Roxy's dad is played by real-life Matthew Perry's father. Matthew Perry plays Chandler on Friends. The Explorer? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Um... That's his name, right? Matthew Matthew Perry, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I was making sure. Um, So, Detective Terry Richard. Richards? 
Terry Richardson. Richardson. Because she's Roxanne Richardson. She's Roxanne Richardson. Um, he meets up with uh, Chandler at the pool hall, and the first thing Terry does... All right, first of all, I just want to say the first thing I said about this was he's, like, Roxy's father is, like, the off-brand colonel. He, like, just is supposed to look, like, intimidating and, I don't know, um, he's kind of got the same stature, as, and he's dressed like the colonel, um, so I thought they were trying to go for, like, a colonel-esque... Yeah, no, uh, vibe here. Um, so he like takes out his gun, and like puts it on on the table. And Taylor's like, "Should I bought my Bible?" They have a little back and forth where basically he's like, "Stay away from my daughter," and Taylor's like, "I love her," and <laughs> I won't. <laughs> and he's like, "Terry's like, you're gonna live to regret this." Um, so then we have a gross misuse of police resources. Yeah, when Chandler is pulled over um, for absolutely no reason, and the cop is, well, Chandler's like, can I ask why you pulled me over? And the cop is like, you need to stay away from Roxanne Richardson. Like, not even trying to, like, be like, oh, you're speeding, or you passed a stop sign. Like, no, just straight out being like, I'm doing this because, like, Terry told me to. Yeah, Detective Richardson used, wielded his power and forced this cop to pull over uh, Chandler. So then Chandler starts to get irritated because the cop is, like, making up reasons to give him tickets that are all fake. Um, So Chandler gets out of the car, and then he's like, oh, I'm going to arrest you now. And Chandler's like, what are you going to arrest me for? And the cop's like, or, well, the traffic officer. It's like, well, I haven't come up with a reason yet, which, you know, more abuse of power. would like to say that the traffic officer is played by the beloved Dennis Haskins, who everybody will recognize as the principal from Saved by the Bell. Mr. Bell's, Belton, Bell, Bell's. I don't know what the principal is. It started with a, it's, I want to say it was like Belden, but Belder, Belden. I don't know. I don't know. I'm ashamed (laughs) that I don't know. Um, So I'm pretty sure it's Belden, though. Um, So Chandler, we next see Chandler at the police station where he's arrested, but like the drop, the charges have been dropped because Roxy's, you know. Because he didn't do anything. What was he charged with? Also because Roxy's the only person who's an actual cop on this. She got stabbed. Yeah. She seems to be working at weird hours like cops do. Yeah. Is doing your job right. Yeah, because I I was commenting on how Kevin seems to work, like, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, and I'm like, that's just not what cops' schedules are like. (laughs) So Roxy's like, are you going to break up with me now because look at all you have to go through with my father? And Chandler's very, like, resolute. He's like, no, I love you, and it doesn't matter that your dad doesn't like me. I don't need his approval. Um, and this kind of comes to a head where at the end of the episode, we have this conversation between Terry and Chandler. I just want to say before this confrontation happens, Roxy makes sure that like the guns are not in the same room. And, and, uh, what's it? Fake Colonel. Uh, what's it? Terry is like, oh, isn't that cute? She thinks I'm going to shoot you. It's like, well, Uh, obviously you just tried to arrest him for no reason. And the first thing he did when he met him at the pool hall was put his gun on the table. Like, oh, just so you know, I've got this here in case I have to shoot you. So, uh, Chandler realizing that the only way to, like, get this man off his back is to meet him at his level, uh, basically threatens, uh, Terry right back with a New York Times reporter that will expose him, or maybe not expose him, but, like, or, like, expose him with either lies or truth about his, like, police practices. Yeah. And Terry's like, oh, I miss, I miss, uh, I underestimated you. I still don't like you, but I like your methods. So, anyway, Roxanne and Chandler are back on. I mean, they weren't ever off. But I know. But, <laughs> but they're like... 
But uh, Chandler wasn't scared away by Roxy's dad. I just wanted to ask the question of our audience. I asked Aaron this as well. Is this a thing that, like, is perpetuated by media, or is this a a thing that really happens in the world about, like, fathers that do this to their daughter's suitors? I think it goes, it's, like, deeply rooted in history and, like, patriarchal notions of, like, protecting your daughter's honor until she's married. Like, I think it's, like, super archaic um, thing that's now perpetuated by TV, but it happens less. But I think it, like, makes sense if you think about history. I, I, I do agree that, like, historically speaking, and plus, like, just generally human behavior speaking, it makes sense. Like, you know... Me, like, you could get like less of a dowry if your daughter had been like had sex with someone before <laughs> marriage. So, um, but I just feel like preserve. <laughs> yeah, but, but I feel like okay. So this was in two thousand three, but I feel like by like modern times or whatever, this isn't a thing that really happens. I don't know. I was just thinking that like this is really the first time that we've, or I guess not really. The Rev does this with Mary and Lucy a lot, and like yeah. Ruthie. But I think that's like diff- that, that that's different because they but were he's teena- a reverend and they were teenagers. Yeah, Roxy's a grown woman who got stabbed. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and this is kind of above and beyond. You know, like the this isn't like I don't like you because you're not a good person. This is I don't want anyone dating my daughter. Yeah, you know I don't know. I I just wanted to know if this is a thing that really happens on in like life now. Yeah, like do are dads really overprotective of their daughters? In that kind of way. Especially their adult daughters. Ad- yeah, adult daughters, yeah. Um, okay, so um, we'll go on to the last storyline, which is, I guess, the main storyline. So Lucy is planning, planning a wedding. Yeah, planning a wedding. And she's only got six weeks because, like we said, they're doing it in April before um, Mrs. Kinkirk runs off with her beau. Um, and we are led to believe that this is, well, I guess it is February because... It's a week after um, Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. So um, Lu- Lucy has a conversation with Kevin. I'd just like to say this. So I'm, obviously everybody knows I'm not Kevin's big, biggest fan. But I his whole thing in this episode is I'm not um, like those modern men who want to be involved in like wedding planning. But I think that's kind of a ridiculous argument. Um this, like, thing about, like, oh, the woman should be in charge of the wedding. I don't know. I mean, if the man actually has no interest in doing anything, then that, I think that's fine. Like, just, like, if you could have a bride that's uninterested in planning the wedding and just wants to, you know, defer to anyone else. So, I mean, if, if it's just, like, not being interested, then I understand that. But if he's, like, I don't know, the whole comment about the modern man doesn't really make sense. Well, I, my problem is, I, it's not like, okay, so you're not interested, that's fine, but this is still, like, a joint thing. You should help. Yeah. Like, not like, oh, if you don't have any opinions, you don't have any opinions, but then at least, like, be there for your, like, she's, there's a point in this in the storyline where she's really stressed because she has to do this all herself, and it's like, right, you don't have any opinions about fabric or dresses or flowers or whatever, but, like... But, like, if she needs you to go, like drop things off or pick things up or just do anything relevant to or like call yeah. call some businesses to get price quotes right, or something right. like then you should if you don't have any opinions and you should at least be of support and help especially because he's been hiding in the garage working out because he doesn't want to be a part of the wedding at all which that's the thing that rubs me the wrong way yeah and i also don't like this trope of like oh the man doesn't want to be involved in the wedding Whatever. Um, anyway, so basically we find out that Lucy is unhappy with everything be- except for the fact that the Rev is going to officiate because she doesn't like the dress. She doesn't like the food. She wants a small wedding. 
She is a little bit afraid, though, that the Rev's return to the church will upstage her wedding, but she's she's willing to deal with it. And Kevin's whole thing is you need to stand up for yourself. <laughs> That's the title of the, the episode. And Lucy's like, I can't. She's my mother. Um, but then we have a scene where, like, where Lucy's just confirming that the Rev will be um, the person, like, the, the officiant. And because Lucy's like, I'm not getting anything else right at this wedding because of mom, but you'll do this right. And the Rev acts kind of really super selfish in this episode, like, or at least in this moment, because he's like, actually, I don't want to. I just want to be a regular dad. I want, yeah, he's like, I want to give away, I want to walk down the aisle with my daughter and give her away at the altar. So this is his dream. And then they're like, somebody needs to tell Annie. And then the Rev pawns that off on Lucy as well. Like, Lucy's like, oh, I guess I'll be the one to tell Mom. Which, I mean, like, you're the one that's not officiating. Just freaking say it. Like, you don't... Why are you getting your daughter, who's already, like, miserable about this wedding, who's very clearly stated that she's miserable about this wedding? Like, she's... And and since the Rev isn't going to be officiating, it's she's literally not getting anything she wants. Like, that was the only thing that she was like, okay, I'll deal with the... Uh, grandma's ugly dress and I don't know whatever the food but um as as long as we have the rev marrying me um so this is when we have like a a mini scene between the rev and annie where the rev's like I don't want to do it and annie's kind of like awe struck she's like just crying and she's upset um and I I so this is I feel like a continuation of this storyline that's been in the background since the beginning of the season of like the rev not being the rev anymore and i thought we'd gotten over it with the therapy right right but no he still doesn't want to go back to work and she's still like and also you had this question a few episodes ago but i mean you didn't pose it on the podcast but they're living in the church's house this isn't that like contingent on him like working for the church like how are they getting where are they getting their money from what are they getting paid for? Yeah. Because surely the church needs to pay Chandler. And Chandler has to pay for his own... He doesn't get any free church housing. Yeah, so, like... And he has to pay... Well, he needs to live on a... Like, does the church have that much money that they can pay a reverend who isn't doing anything and an associate reverend? Who knows? What is happening? Maybe Kevin... Ask Lou. I don't know anything about the finances. <laughs> or Annie's Annie supposed to know about the finances. Um, so we have another conversation between Kevin and Lucy, where Lucy's trying on a very hideous wedding dress. It was grandma's dress, Annie's mother's dress. So, we, uh, Aaron and I both agreed about this, that she's very out of character in this episode. Like, typically, Lucy would be up in arms about her not getting her way, the wedding is about her, why is, like, why is everything going wrong? But she's very meek and quiet and, like... Uh, just like, oh, this is all happening to me, and I can't do anything about it. And which is completely not Lucy. Like, even if you are a massive Lucy fan and you don't agree with us about all of our Lucy dislike, you have to understand that this is not in character at all. Mm-hmm. Which is probably why I liked her so much in this episode. Uh, but once again, Kevin's like, you need to tell your mother. And Lucy's way of telling her mother is just to be like, I don't like the food. I don't like the menu. I don't like the dress. I don't like the flowers. I don't like anything. Yeah. And Annie's response, I felt, you you might disagree, was a bit childish because she's like, fine, then I'm not helping you at all. And this is when Lucy's like, this is when Lucy and Kevin have their conversation where Kevin's like, maybe instead of, like, exploding all over your mother, have an actual conversation with her. 
because I don't want to help you. <laughs> so you're going to need to do this somehow. And she can't, like, plan a wedding on her own in six weeks. So we have another conversation between Annie and Lucy where, I don't know, did you find that Annie was being a bit childish? I thought she was being a bit childish. She was. She was making this all about her and wanting the Rev to go back to work. And, like, that's her whole motivation. And... I don't know, helping with this wedding, it seems. Um, and Well, she's like, oh, when Lucy's like, I need your help, basically, Annie's response is, yeah, you can't do this in six weeks by yourself, can you? And Lucy's like, yeah, can you help me? Yeah. <laughs> and Annie finally's like, yeah, of course. Um, and this all ends with, I guess, why the German title is called Comeback, because... Daddy's coming home. Yeah, um... Lucy basically has a heart-to-heart with her father, saying, Look, ever since I imagined myself getting married, I always knew that you would be the minister. And the fact that you're not going to marry me and Kevin just makes it feel like I'm not actually getting married. It's this whole heartfelt story about how this is, like, it's going to be the most important day of Lucy's life, and she needs her dad to be there in a bigger capacity than just a regular dad, because he's never been just a regular dad. And that apparently is what the Rev needs, because he's like, I'm coming back. And she talks about how her whole life she, like, dreamed, uh, you know... Marrying Brad Pitt. About marrying Brad Pitt, and it was always the Rev there who was going to, you know, officiate, so... It's... And then Annie overhears this conversation, and they're happy once again. Annie's happy to have her husband back. The Rev is back to being the Rev. He's no longer just Eric. And that's the end of the episode. Yep. I kind of want to... I wish the show would have actually gone through with making the Rev not a reverend. I feel like that would have been juicy. Because obviously it's a point of contention for Annie. Like, it's the one thing that... Like, her entire storyline this season has been about... I want my husband back. Mm-hmm. And then they would have gotten a divorce. And we would have a completely different show. <laughs> uh, what would you rate this episode? I'm going to give it, like, a 2.5. Yeah, I give the last one a 3.5. So this one's getting a 2.5. Oh, well, I'm going to go the complete opposite. Oh, no. Uh, I think I'm actually going to give this a five. What? Yeah. Out of seven? Yeah. That's a very high score. Each individual storyline was solid. Um, Lucy was bearable, like more than bearable. Um, I don't know. It was fine. I liked it. All right. Well... If you would like to see any fun screen caps or anything from this episode on our social media. The Ugly Wedding Dress. The Ugly Wedding Dress. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CamdenCastShow. You can send us an email, CamdenCast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash CamdenCast. And if you want to continue listening to us, you can listen on the Apple iTunes podcast app, SoundCloud.com slash CamdenCast, and on Stitcher. I'm Erin. I'm Tanvi. This is Camden Guest. Well,